It's time to take a journey to find your courage, break through your limits, and master your destiny. It's time for Ken D. Foster's Voices of Courage. Ken brings you some of the most courageous people on the planet that will inspire greatness within you and change your life for the better. It's time to see the unseeable, know the unknowable, and do the impossible. It's time for Voices of Courage. And here's your host, Ken D. Foster. Well, hello and welcome, everybody. This is your host, uh, Ken D. Foster. You can actually see me now. I'd like to welcome everybody on uh, Facebook. We have an uh, amazing show lined up today. And uh, I want to ask you a couple questions. Are you uh, in a place where you'd like to really take your understanding of how this world works, how your life works, how you work to a different level? Well, listen, this show today, we're going to be talking about self-reliance. We're going to be talking about sex. Uh, we're going to talk about the triangle of death, uh, possibly, the, uh, and essential life skills uh, for adolescents to reach uh, greater heights and, quite frankly, for all of us to reach greater heights. So the show is called uh, The Courage to Adapt and Change. I've got some pretty amazing guests today, and um, I hope you'll uh, tune into it because I think it's a show that uh, will really help you take your uh, life to a new level. You know, I was uh, working with a client yesterday, and um, what came up, uh, he's, he's a business client. So generally speaking, um, uh, we're talking about business subjects. But, you know, what I found in, in working with people over the last 24 years is that even though I attract a lot of business owners and uh, uh, people that really want to take their business to the next level, there's always something inside that has to shift. And this fellow and I started talking about his cat allergy, of all things. And the reason we did is because this fellow is thinking about uh, getting married and um, his fiance loves cats and the cat sleeps in the bed with them, right? So he's, he's in his uh, uh, mid thirties, somewhere around there right now. And um, I asked him, I said, um, so is that gonna get in the way of this relationship? And he said, yeah, it has already. And I said to him, I said, well, you know, is that something that you would be willing to maybe look at and maybe think about how you can actually change that, adapt to it, evolve into it. He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, listen, why do you think you were given a cat allergy? Why do you think you have this? He says, well, it's probably, uh, it's probably biological. It's probably in my body. It's a physical thing for me. And, he said, and I said, yeah, that's true. But you know, with science of epigenetics right now, it tells us that we can, we can actually turn on and off genes. And she said, well, I, that's interesting. I said, so let's, let's just play for a second, I, I said to him. I said, why don't you just, what if, what if you could actually open up the possibility that this allergy could actually change, could actually heal, could actually, it could be some, come something that it's not right now. He's like, wow, that's interesting. I've never even thought about that. I said, well, would you be willing to at least explore it? Maybe you go and get, uh, get, uh, go to an MD and get some uh, checkup, you know, let them do an allergy test and find out what's really going on. You know, is this something showing up in your body that, uh, that is, uh, you know, it's, it's a result of something you're doing, you're eating, you know, what, what's going on there? Find out maybe from on the other side, uh, from the east, maybe there's some herbologists, maybe there's somebody out there that might have some, some uh, herbs or something that may be able to help you. I don't know. I said, I told him this, I said, you know, healing is a quest. So, you know, I'm just giving you possibilities, but for you, what you need to do is, is set up the intention to make sure that you start to heal this in your life. And so he made the commitment to do that. Now, how interesting is that? Because 
you know, so many of us walk around with so many different uh, things that would really benefit us to heal or to change or to develop or to grow. And yet a lot of times we think that, that this is just the way it is, kind of like this fella. He thought, well, this is just the way it is. I'm allergic to cats. I'm going to be that way the rest of my life, and there's nothing I can do about it. Now, he might be right about that. I'm not saying that he's not. But I'm saying to him, why don't you open up the possibility for something greater to come into your life? And he thought, I, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. So I know he's on a quest. And um, the reason I'm mentioning that is, you know, all of us are on a quest, right? We really need to realize in our own lives what is working, what is not working, and what we can do to change that. So in the light of that, I brought in really amazing guests today. I have three guests on the show today. The first one I'd like to introduce is uh, Barbara Madison Horowitz. She's an MD. She turns to the natural world for insights into health and development. She's a visiting professor in Harvard University's Department of Human Evolutionary Biology and professor of medicine, at, let's see, where are you? The UCLA Division of Cardiology. So Barbara, welcome to the show. Hi, happy to be here. And uh, do you prefer Barbara or Dr. Horowitz or, or what's, what, what would you prefer me calling mm -hmm. today? Let's, let's go with Barbara, that's fine. <laughs> okay, all righty. And then uh, Barbara has a um, co-author in her new book. We're gonna be talking about that in a minute. Her name is Kathy McQuaid. And uh, she is an author, she's a leadership consultant. She spent more than three decades in the CIA, including 12 years living abroad, her work in communities all over the world and the endangering, endearing, sorry about that, endearing, unconventional uh, work uh, uh, in her love for the four-legged, uh, well, you know what? I'm not going to get in. I'm going to talk to you about that. I can't, I'm not being able to see that very well here. So anyway, the new book, though, is called Wildwood. And both uh, Barbara and Kathy came together to really write about their passion. So let's talk about that. Why, what inspired both you guys to uh, get together, first of all? Uh, go ahead, Catherine. <laughs> oh, hi. hi. First of all, this is Catherine Bowers. Um, I'm the co-author of Wildhood with Barbara Natterson Horowitz. I think... Um, Katie McQuaid might be oh your next gosh, guest. Oh my gosh, Catherine, I am it's, so sorry. I feel like not, starting the show over. <laughs> not a problem. I was sort of uh, enjoying her bio and maybe a little bit wishing that it was mine, but um, oh. I'm, a, I'm an applied animal behaviorist and a science writer, and Barbara and I have spent the past decade looking to the natural world to find solutions to challenges to human problems, and those range from cancer, heart disease, and uh, infection to psychiatric conditions we sometimes think of as being uh, uniquely human, like eating disorders and and addiction and um, teenage risk-taking, which we will get to probably later in this discussion. So that is, uh, that's who I am and that's what our book is. And, um, and we're really excited to be here talking with you today. I am too. And I don't think I've ever made that mistake of introducing a guest <laughs> with a, uh, I've been doing this for a while, so I totally apologize for that, Barbara. Oh, no problem. Yeah. And um, okay, so, um, the book, let's just talk about the book. Let's jump into it. Wildhood um, said the epic journey from adolescence to adulthood in humans and other animals. And uh, I was reading uh, your article this morning and um, you know, it talks uh, about the basically, you know, you're doing a lot of study in the, with the animal world, but it really applies over the human world. Is that, is that accurate? 
Right. Uh, yeah, this is Barbara. So we, uh, Catherine and I, uh, spent five years studying the lives of wild animal adolescents, and um, there were lots of takeaways about animals, and we looked at thousands of species. But the uh, the, the really the central relevant point uh, to our species is this: that uh, across the animal kingdom, there are four high stakes tests that shape the future of every adolescent, and unless you're looking across species, you really can't see them clearly. And so our book is about really um, identifying what those tests are and then really going into um, detail and lots of stories about how animal adolescents prepare for these tests and um, either do well or, or not. But it's directly relevant to, um, to human adolescents and adults. That's great. Well, you know, when I was reading that article, it's called uh, In Every Species, Adults Go Wild. And in that, it was talking about uh, the triangle of death uh, and uh, where the, um, uh, between San Francisco and Monterey Bay uh, lies a treacherous area of ocean. It's called the triangle of death. And the sharks patrol that waters and the, um, and the sea otters seem to go, in, the ones that are adolescents go out and venture in that water and of course uh, uh, are attacked. But you related that back to um, really uh, adolescence in general. And, uh, you know, at, at adolescence, with, you know, our teenagers, they're, they're at peak vulnerability and, um, you know, they're hardwired to take risks. So let's talk a little bit about that. How'd you come to that conclusion? Yeah, so um, like you said, we, we took a research trip to the, uh, this area of the Pacific Coast off San Francisco um, that, that the marine biologists who work there call it the triangle of death because there are so many great white sharks. In fact, it's one of the, um, the leading areas in the whole world where great white sharks gather and um, there are many shark attacks there. And there's only one kind of sea otter that will venture into this area and it's not the adult sea otters, it's not the baby sea otters, it's the adolescent sea otters. Um, they're, uh, they're, they're risk taking, you might say, um, uh, if those were human adolescents who were going into shark infested waters, we might say that they were uh, taking risks. So uh, what Barbara and I did was we looked at this behavior. This is risk taking in adolescence in the wild without culture and, um, you know, sort of human self-knowledge, um, but they're still showing this behavior. So we said, how can we take that and apply it to um, our own human teens and um, our own understanding of what we go through in this very important transition between childhood and adulthood? And so what we looked for were behaviors that were common to adolescents, whether they were fish or reptiles or birds or mammals, um, that were common to this phase of life that's in between and less common um, when they're younger and older. And what we found was that adolescent animals are more likely to take risks. They, uh, they are attracted to novelty and to new places and to new, um, new situations. They also tend to gravitate toward their same age peers, kind of like human teenagers do. They, they prefer the company of, of their peers to parents or younger animals. Um, they also practice um, they practice courtship, which if we were to uh, see that behavior in human adolescents, we sometimes call that sexual experimentation, but it's actually what the animal, what wild animals are doing are practicing the behaviors that get them to, um, to the point of coupling with another animal. And they also um, tend to, at a certain point, stray from home or disperse from their home territory. They leave the protection of, um, of adults. So wow. uh, Barbara and I uh, looked at all of the data we gathered and some of our own original research on all of these behaviors. And what we, what we realized was that these are four life skills, four tests that every animal 
adolescent animal needs to go through in order to become a mature adult. And that is learning how to be safe, learning how to navigate social hierarchies um, and find places in groups, learning how to express sexuality and interpret the sexual signals of others, and finally, how to be self-reliant. Safety status, well, sex self reliance. Listen, listen I, I've got to take a quick break, but when we come back, I, uh, let's let's go, let's dive, take a little deeper dive into uh, those four areas that you just just discussed. So, um, we're gonna we're gonna pause for a minute. And those of you watching me Facebook Live, we're just gonna take a pause because we are doing a radio broadcast here today. So, um, uh, we're gonna pause for a minute. We'll be back with more Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster. Learn more about Ken, how to be a guest on the show, and sponsorship opportunities by visiting VoicesOfCourage.us. Are you feeling stuck or in a holding pattern with your business or life, and you're not doing the things you want or love? Then at some point, you're going to be faced with a decision. You'll either choose to keep living in your comfort zone and risk a life of mediocrity, or increase your courage, step into your power, and forge into the unknown, where everything new becomes possible. If you're truly ready to live masterfully, then you need Ken D. Foster's newest book, The Courage to Change Everything, Strategies and Wisdom to Transform Your Life One Day at a Time. This powerful but simple guide provides Provides you with 365 days of life-transforming wisdom, profound questions, and action steps that will increase your strength and open the doors to success. Stop wondering why your business or life isn't working. The answers are available now. Imagine if you had more courage or another chance to start following your dreams. To pick up your copy of The Courage to Change Everything, visit thecouragetochangeeverything.com. That's thecouragetochangeeverything.com. There comes a time when you know you need to restart and regain control of your life. A time to seek freedom from the anxiety, addiction, and other issues that may be bringing you down. A time to heal and reemerge as the real you. Villa Kalima is a holistic residential recovery program exclusively for women for individualized treatment. Villa Kalima offers proven clinical and holistic therapies for the mind, body, and spirit to assure sustainable recovery. Villa Kalima focuses on healing the cause, not temporarily masking symptoms. It's the only way to truly recover and find yourself again. Villa Kalima is located in a beautiful, peaceful, resort-like setting and is a licensed and accredited residential treatment center accepting a variety of health insurances. Start your healing and renewal today by calling Villa Kalima in La Costa, California at 760-814-8214. 760-814-8214. Villa Kalima, a place for transformation. We're back with Voices of Courage. And now your host, Ken D. Foster. Okay, we are back, and I want to welcome you back to Voices of Courage. Today, our show is called The Courage to Adapt and Evolve. And uh, first of all, uh, all the people around the world, we've, we've just picked up some new networks, and uh, I want to acknowledge the new people that are listening to us out there. Thank you so much for tuning in to Voices of Courage. If you're new to the show, I want you to get ready to see the unseeable, know the unknowable, and do the impossible. And if you're enjoying the great content and the insights on Voices of Courage, I encourage you to uh, give us a shout out on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or uh, LinkedIn because uh, uh, that's how we grow our show and, and that's how others find us. Uh, also want to give a shout out to our two new affiliates, Talk Radio New York City, that's uh, talkradio.nyc, and also BizTalkRadio. Uh, biztalkradio.com. Both networks are dedicated to empowering and uplifting uh, and educating their listeners to really become the best they can. They cover topics like business, nonprofits, consciousness, personal development, science, and the like. Again, it's talkradio.nyc and biztalkradio. 
All right, we're back and we're talking uh, to my two guests. I have uh, Barbara Horowitz, uh, who's an MD, and also have, um, where did you go? You just left me again. Where are Catherine you? Catherine Bowers. Catherine, there you are. <laughs> um, okay, there you are. And Catherine, <clears throat> um, we're just talking about some of the air, the, some of those four areas that uh, you've discovered. Can we take a deeper dive in those areas? And um, what do they, how do they apply to human nature, not only animal behavior? Yeah, yeah you definitely. Know, I, Go ahead, Barbara. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, do, the, there, there are lots of ways we can um, think about it, but one really specific example uh, that helps, I think, let's say parents of, you know, kids who are in the 10 to 15-year-old range, they're, they're not really deeply into high school yet, but they're kind of getting to that point where um, parents are letting them go off on their own, maybe to the mall, but, but still they're not really, um, they're, they're, they're still worried. And one of the things we learned is that what, what adult animals know that younger animals don't is that they're constantly being um, watched by predators. And what those predators are doing is they're just looking for easy prey. They're, they're looking for the, you know, the, where to, where to go. And, and one of the, the things that adults know how to do that the younger animals don't is to exude what are called signals of unprofitability. It's basically body postures and, and, and behaviors that say to, the, to those animals that would want to, you know, eat them, I'm not worth the trouble. Um, I'm, you know, go elsewhere. It's, it's sort of like if, you know, you're walking along the street and you see someone, you think, oh, I'm not sure if I feel completely safe, you might stand up taller and make yourself bigger. Well, that's what older animals know and younger animals don't. And learning those things, signals of unprofitability, can prevent a young, a young animal, human or otherwise, from being selected as easy prey. Okay. Well, as, as the um, animals mature, as we go from childhood to adolescence to adulthood, what are the behaviors they, uh, that... Uh, that they exhibit that might teach us areas that we can learn about ourselves. One, one area that I, um, I just found absolutely fascinating was that um, even in the animal kingdom, there is a difference between being physically ready to mate and have offspring and being behaviorally or socially ready for it. Um, and what we learned was that there are these, in some cases, natural waiting periods between um, an animal being sexually mature and it actually beginning to have sex. I'll give you an example. Um, okay. There's this incredible courtship display that bald eagles do uh, mm -hmm. before they mate. They, okay. they, they fly toward each other really, really fast through the air like two fighter pilots. And they extend their talons, they grab them in midair, and then they start spinning that's called a cartwheel and then it turns into what's called a death spiral so they go spinning through the air their heads are down um, we actually have video of this on our on our website wildhood.com and it's absolutely beautiful it's breathtaking i mean poets have written about this incredible behavior and just before they crash to the ground they let go of their talons they swoop back up and they do it all over again now imagine you are an adolescent bald eagle and you have to do this for the first time um, it would be probably really scary, maybe a little bit intimidating, and you're probably not going to be able to do it um, perfectly the first time. And that is actually true. We have video, again, of um, adolescent eagles giving this behavior a try, and they don't quite get it. And so they have to break the behaviors down and practice them individually. Um, there's another bird called Aleas and Albatross, and they have the most beautiful courtship display that takes them four years to learn how to do. And until they can do that 
courtship behavior, they um, cannot get together with another um, mate and actually, you know, copulate or have sex. And I think that that's a really interesting lesson for um, us as human beings and for human adolescents and their parents that it, um, it isn't just something that we sort of tell our teens, you know, wait, wait till you find the right person or wait until you have sex, that there's a lot of practicing, fumbling, compassion, mistakes, um, experience that needs to be gained before a mature romantic relationship can emerge. Isn't that interesting? Because I think that, um, <clears throat> you know, that's part of the dating piece, but mm. we, we kind of, uh, there's, you know, there's like, uh, you know, when I was in high school, and I think a lot, it's a lot today because I see my uh, teenage grand, uh, uh, grandchildren, <clears throat> there's real no real, uh, there's no real r rule book mm. on how to go through this stage. What, you know, how do you, how do you communicate with the opposite sex? You know what? I mean, there's, there's sex education, but there's not a lot of social skills involved. They're just, it's hit or miss. They're just trying, right? Mm. So, yeah, right, exactly, me... exactly right. I mean, I, I had that same um, thought when my, when my daughter was in middle school and high school and they started, um, you know, there were, there was actually two things that went on. One was that she was starting to get asked to dances, you know, school dances. And, and I was sort of agonizing with her with the whole process of, will somebody ask me? Will they not ask me? How do I get asked? Um, you know, the drama around the promposal. Um, but then, then the school she was at canceled all dances because they were, um, they were just, you know, kind of feeling like they were out of control. And yeah. that to me didn't seem like the answer either. Like, you know, if, if there are, if there are, if we as adults don't give adolescents places where they can practice these behaviors and understand, and, and it doesn't have to be as, you know, as formal as a dance, but um, if there's not going to be dances or, or activities around school, we have to figure out some other way to give them this information of how to behave in a respectful, a kind, um, a mature way around one another, around um, you know, this completely natural behavior. That's really interesting. So, um, Barbara, I want to ask you about uh, uh, the uh, brain chemicals that are released uh, during adolescence, uh, particularly uh, serotonin and how that impacts uh, adolescent behavior in animals and also in humans. Right. So it turns out um, a lot of what we, uh, you know, we worry about how kids feel. Uh, we worry about their moods. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of attention uh, being paid to that right now because rates of depression and anxiety are increasing in teenagers. So uh, one one um, fascinating connection between that and wild animal behavior is that in among animals, fish, birds, uh, herd living animals, there's there's a hierarchy and hierarchies are you know basically a ranking of an individual's status and. How an animal um, does in those rankings really determines how they do in their lives. So, for example, um, when a fish rises in status in a school, um, it's more likely to survive, more likely to eat, more likely to mate. And so there's a lot of, of pressure to rise in status. To motivate uh, fish to do that, there are rewards that are delivered. These chemicals, serotonin is one of these kind of pleasure chemicals. There are rewards that are, are given to these animals when they rise in status. And so it essentially kind of feels good. I'm doing air quotes with feels, but um, rising in status, um, boom, they get a little bit of that pleasure bump. On the other hand, when they fall in status, the opposite happens. It doesn't feel good. And the biology of comparison, that is the biology of winning and losing, not only helps us understand the behavior of animals uh, in a hierarchy, that is why those low-ranking fish aren't swimming around very much and those they're kind of withdrawn and those high ranking winning fish are, you know, swimming all over the place and initiating activities. 
is that that same chemical, that serotonin and those serotonin network, networks are very much involved in, in our human moods. When, we, uh, when we're feeling better overall, our serotonin levels are higher. And when, we, uh, when we're feeling crummy overall, though, they're lower. And so there's this connection between rising in status in the animal kingdom, which um, is rewarded because it increases your chances of surviving, and um, rising, let's say, in status and popularity for a teenager uh, and feeling good. And we think that in order to understand the shifts in, in moods of modern teenagers, we need to really look back several hundred million years at these systems that uh, regulate status in animals. That's really good. Well, listen, I got to take another break. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask you a little bit more about your book. Uh, it's called Wild Hood, and I believe we can find that on Amazon. Is that correct, ladies? Yes, that's that's right. Amazon okay, and so anywhere books are sold. Anywhere books are sold. Barbara Natterson Horowitz and Catherine Bowers, Wild Hood, The Epic Journey from Adolescence to Adulthood in Humans and Other Animals. It's a fascinating read, and I hope you'll uh, check it out when we come back. I want to talk about self-reliance, adolescent wolves, and other predators. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster. Learn more about Ken, how to be a guest on the show, and sponsorship opportunities by visiting voicesofcourage.us. If you're an author, speaker, or organization committed to changing the world, and you need a partner to support you with PR, your website, or social media, Wasabi Publicity is the perfect fit. Wasabi Publicity works with companies and individuals committed to doing good in the world. Everything they do is instilled with passion, impact, and brilliance. Go to wasabipublicity.com. That's wasabipublicity.com to schedule a call with Wasabi CEO, Drew Gerber. The most talented athletes in the world rely on a coach to get better. And the most successful business people do the same. I have found working with Ken D. Foster to be an extraordinary experience. He helped me to expand my vision, increase profits, and showed me the way to have more fulfillment and success in my life. Ken D. Foster is the coach's coach for business and life. He has been nicknamed the coach of the successful and wealthy. Ken is an instrumental part of my team and the success I have generated over the past 12 months. Ken gave me the strategies to increase productivity, reduce turnover, and take my business to the next level. So what's holding you back? Ken D. Foster is a master business coach with proven strategies to dramatically increase efficiency and productivity while maximizing individual development and fulfillment. Explore your possibilities. For a free consultation, log on to KenDFoster.com. That's KenDFoster.com. KenDFoster.com. We're back with Voices of Courage. And now your host, Ken D. Foster. Well, welcome back. This is Ken D. Foster. I want to thank you for joining us today on Voices of Courage. Listen, if you're a woman entrepreneur in the San Diego area, or if you're a woman entrepreneur online, I would like you to check out an organization that I think will really help you to grow your business and grow your life. It's called Women's Wisdom. They, um, uh, an, they're an organization that's been around since 1991. They help women to really tap into their own gifts and talents and abilities and help them to look at what's working in their life and, and uh, what's not and, and really to grow. And they, it's an event that I've never been in an event like this where everybody is, they do these shout outs and everybody's talking about how they've done business with each other and, and how great each person is. And they're really lifting each other up. Anyway, you can check them out at womenswisdom.net. That's womenswisdom.net. And um, what else do I want to tell you today? 
I uh, partnered with a, a few friends of mine, a few of my New York Times bestselling author friends and my uh, book marketing strategist friends, and we're teaching you how to write, market, and launch your book to bestselling status. Uh, there's no cost to you. This is something I'm just giving back to the community. Um, it was gifted to me how to market and uh, really create best-selling books, and I'm giving it back to you. You're going to learn from the experts that I use and the formulas and the strategies that we use to really help take your book and sell a lot of books. Why do I do this? Because I believe your message is important. I believe that we need to shift this world from the uh, bottom up, right? It's probably not going to happen from the top down, and if you're with me, Check it out. You know, go go and, and write your book and get it in the world. You can find this at CourageToChange.us forward slash invite. CourageToChange.us forward slash invite. All righty. I want to uh, welcome back uh, Barbara Horowitz. She's an MD. She uh, turns to the natural world for insights into health and development. And also Catherine Bowers. Uh, she is a co-author of Barbara, and she explores how geographic and biological environments help shape human culture. Ladies, welcome back to the show. Um, so where were we talking? We are talking about uh, the, uh, I want to get to adolescent wolves and other predators. Who wants to take that subject? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just jump in for a second, then Catherine, interrupt me and add, um, you know, it, being a predator in the wild is not easy. And um, even though sometimes we watch David Attenborough documentaries and it looks like they're these like master hunters, most predators are unsuccessful uh, far more than they're successful. And depending on whether there are actual statistics for wolves and for jaguars and for lions in terms of how many attempts at capturing an animal and um, successes. And so uh, it's, you know, again, even among mature, really experienced predators, that's the case. So you can imagine that adolescent predators uh, really uh, have a lot more failures than successes, but they, they stick with it. And it's fascinating to watch how they learn to be, to get better through all these failures. But one uh, central element is that adolescents can be, in nature, can be um, more tenacious. They can stick with things more than older animals. A uh, number of experiments show that. And, uh, but what the key factor is the reason that they are sticking to it more, uh, at least part of it is that they're hungry. And I think the takeaway for um, us as parents is that, they're, that adolescent animals have this uh, unique ability to be more tenacious, they, to have more grit, to have more persistence and perseverance than adults. But being a little bit hungry is an important part of that. That makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, when, when it comes to writing books and writing this book, um, I think this is something that I, I want to know, and maybe some of my audience wants to know. As a result of writing this book, and, and uh, Barbara, why don't you uh, take this one first? Um, how did you change? What changed in you? What, what, did, what was the wisdom? Like the, the, I'm sure there's a bunch of changes, but what was it that grabbed you and you went, wow, now I know this. This is how I'm going to apply this to, to my children and grandchildren. This is what's going to change for me. This is, you know, what is that for you? Every aspect of my life, um, I can put this lens that Catherine and I have developed. It's this species-spanning lens, this evolutionary lens. I can I can look through it and I can understand it in a deeper way. The the most sort of um, it may sound trivial, but it's been a really powerful thing in my life is to when I'm sitting in a meeting and I notice that um, I suddenly don't I'm suddenly not quite as happy as I was before, and I kind of think about what just happened. Sometimes I can use this lens and say realize oh you know somebody just said something that sort of um, diminished what I had just said. In other words, it was 
kind of uh, suggesting that my point of view wasn't as valued. And that was a status bump down. Or um, when I feel better, I can use the lens and say, oh, so something just happened that kind of elevated my status. And I'll, although it's a simplification, uh, that, that kind of decoding has been really powerful for me in thinking about just the ups and downs of daily life. That's really good. And, really and for good. me, so, sorry, but I, I also, um, it's this, researching this book changed my life and it changed how I parent. Um, one thing that I think was so important to remember is that uh, even wild animals are not born knowing how to be adults. They have to learn from mentors and other, um, and their peers how to do these be adult behaviors and they have to practice them. So I think that's a really important message for all of us. Um, and then also um, adolescence is not some burden to be endured or a disease to be cured. It has an evolutionary purpose. Um, it's been shaped over 600 million years of animal life on earth to prepare young animals to become adults. And um, again, we, we need to practice these behaviors as much as the, the, the blue whales in the ocean and the penguins swimming in the Antarctic need to as well. That's awesome. So um, I, I got to wrap it up here, but I want to ask both of you, um, if somebody wants to connect with you outside the book, uh, is there a website or is there a, uh, an email or is there somewhere that people can go, gosh, I want to I want to book you on the show or I want to talk to you about uh, what's your, your work? Uh, wildhood.com so the book is called wildhood it's sort of the phase between childhood and and adulthood across species uh so it's wildhood with an h and the website is wildhood.com and we have lots of uh, videos of wild animal adolescents fumbling their way through life and content related to the science in the book well i don't know about my guests uh, my my audience but i'm going to wildhood.com i'm going to go watch those little adolescents fumble around that sounds like fun <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Well, ladies, thank you so much for being on the show. Again, the book is uh, Wildhood, uh, The Epic Journey from Adolescence to Adulthood in Humans and Other Animals. It's written by Barbara uh, Natterson Horowitz and Catherine Bowers. I hope you'll check it out. You can see it in all bookstores or Amazon, wherever. Ladies, thank you so much for being on this show. I really appreciate you, and I thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thanks so much. So this much. is really fun. Okay. All righty. Well, listen, I'm going to take a break. And uh, when I come back, I have uh, a former CIA um, uh, agent on the show. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, how you can, uh, uh, well, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to save it as a surprise. I'll be right back. We'll be back with more Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster. Learn more about Ken, how to be a guest on the show, and sponsorship opportunities by visiting voicesofcourage.us. There comes a time when you know you need to restart and regain control of your life. A time to seek freedom from the anxiety, addiction, and other issues that may be bringing you down. A time to heal and reemerge as the real you. Villa Kalima is a holistic residential recovery program exclusively for women for individualized treatment. Villa Kalima offers proven clinical and holistic therapies for the mind, body, and spirit to assure sustainable recovery. Villa Kalima focuses on healing the cause, not temporarily masking symptoms. It's the only way to truly recover and find yourself again. Villa Kalima is located in a beautiful, peaceful, resort-like setting and is a licensed and accredited residential treatment center accepting a variety of health insurances. Start your healing and renewal today by calling Villa Kalima in La Costa, California at 760-814-8214. 760-814-8214. Villa Kalima, a place for transformation. 
Hi, this is Ken D. Foster. Are you an author or would-be author? If so, a few of my New York Times best-selling author friends, some of my book marketing strategist friends, and I are going to be teaching you how to write, market, and launch your book to bestseller status. And get this, no cost to you. You're going to learn from the experts that I use, their formulas, and their simple steps to make your book a bestseller. So find out how to do this at courage to change.us forward slash invite courage to change.us forward slash invite there are i think we have 12 master teachers in the class right now you're going to learn things you never knew about book marketing i can tell you that because i've been marketing books for the last 15 years and i've learned a whole bunch from the experts that i brought on hope you'll join us at courage to change.us we're back with voices of courage and now your host ken d foster Okay, uh, we are here in our fourth segment today, and this is Kendi Foster. I welcome uh, back, everybody. And um, I also have a, uh, a book out in the marketplace. Uh, it's coming out. In fact, yesterday I was called by the shipper who, uh, excuse me, the distributor who told me that the books have arrived uh, to the distribution center. So they're finally there. I'm so excited. I told them, ship me 100 books right now. And uh, I've got a whole bunch of people I want to I want to get those books to. On my side, we're running a, a large campaign starting in January. But right now, you can get this book, The Courage to Change Everything, at CourageToChange.us. CourageToChange.us took me about six years to write that book, and uh, it's a book that will also change the way that you think. It'll change your life. It'll change the way you think. There's a astute wisdom from the East and cutting edge uh, wealth principles from the West uh, mixed in with uh, some of my points of view that have helped uh, thousands of business owners to change their, their lives and get uh, grow their lives. All right. So I hope you'll check it out. Courage to change.us courage to change.us. And now Catherine McQuaid is here with me and Catherine, welcome. I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> Hi Ken. Hi, how are you this morning? We're doing great, thanks. That's awesome. Well, Catherine's a, an author, a leadership consultant. Uh, she spent more than three decades uh, in the CIA, including 12 years living abroad. Her work in communities all over the world and the engendering unconditional love of her four-legged muse, Grace, inspired her to write Everybody Loves Grace, a series of uh, illustrated books that uh, parents and kids of all ages and executives and organizational leaders hail the series as a beacon of hope and inspiration for anyone navigating change or challenging circumstances. Isn't that all of us? <laughs> I think so. Well, listen, um, so let's, uh, let's talk about this uh, book. First of all, why did you write it? Why, why did you do this, uh, Katie? You know, Ken, I had never had um, aspired to be a children's author or really an author, but I have this amazing dog, her name is Grace, and just in our day-to-day -day lives, every day we go out for a walk, um, somebody stops us and she makes a difference in somebody's life. And I came home one day from a pretty important walk and I just got this message that this book you're supposed to write, Katie, it's not about you, it has everything to do with Grace. And, and so wow. I just listened to that message and wrote the book. That's the so first cool, one. that's so cool. You know, I, I was thinking uh, this morning and, um, uh, I was uh, I was meditating. I think I was, and um, what came to me was um, 
how much I love our little dog, Daisy. And Daisy is a little, she's here with me in the studio somewhere. Anyway, she's a little multi-poo. And, um, but you know, Daisy actually, I think healed me. Daisy taught me how to love dogs. And because, you know, I, I'm not going to get into this too much in depth, but when I was five years old, my favorite dog got taken away from me. From that point on, I never liked dogs, right? I didn't relate that till about 45 years later when I put it all together and I went, that's why I don't love dogs. And then Daisy came in my life and healed the rest of it. So, okay. So Daisy is, Daisy and I get very present with each other. We're just completely there. One of the things that you say the most important gifts we can give each other is the gift of presence. Let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we, uh, one of the things Grace models, because she doesn't speak, obviously, right? But she right. is just present. And, you know, we live in downtown Denver and she'll go to the dirtiest, smelliest person on the street or she'll go to somebody sitting at a bus stop and she just sits right in front of them, looks straight in their heart, right in their eyes and down into their hearts. And I really believe what she's done is create a safe space for that person. She's connecting at a level that most of us don't take time for. And so she creates a safe space and a feeling of connection. Wow. Well, do I love this conversation or what? So, um, you know, uh, other lessons that Grace can teach us. Um, let's talk about like small acts of kindness. How do you see that with Grace? How I see that with Grace, again, it's every single day. You know, there there was days when I used to work at the CIA and I'd be rushing to a meeting, right? Or I'd want to rush home from her walk. And she'd say, no, mom, we need like five more minutes with this person. And just that gift of another minute or two or five minutes, um, we'll walk away from that person and they'll say, you just made my day. No, I think you made my week. And um, these simple acts of kindness, like spending an extra minute with somebody or a stopping to let, we have a, an alternative high school that's on our block. And pretty much every day, these kids from the high school will stop and pet Grace. You know, they don't live at home. They live in group homes. They're in special schools. Their parents are in prisons. And Grace makes a difference every single day in these kids' lives. And Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that alone is um, uh, really cool. Because what's it tri what it's triggering or even healing in me right now is when, you know, it's, it, I, I, I coach clients for the last 24 years. And I'm always telling them, slow down to succeed slow down to succeed and but i don't necessarily do that when i'm walking daisy i'm like going you know i'm running and sometimes she just wants to stop and hang and be present and connect with another dog or another person or i'm gonna do better with that i i like where we're going with this this is really good okay i think he's giving you a message there ken <laughs> I, I think so i i'm getting it i'm getting it you know i'm a slow learner but you know i get it now and then <laughs> um Okay, so CIA, let's talk about the world of CIA and how did that contribute to uh, writing the book? Um, that's uh, Everybody Loves Grace. Yeah, I, um, you know, I spent 32 years with the CIA. I was in logistics, so I helped do kind of the support operations for, for, the, for the spies. But um, I lived in some pretty austere conditions. I lived in third world countries for about 12 years of my career. And I saw the poorest of the poor and I worked with families that had less than, and I saw these children. And I think what it, I've always had a heart for kids. I've always had a, I've worked with orphanages overseas. Um, and I just, when I came back to the States and when I retired and had the time to let my brain really rest, I realized that um, 
kids need this message of hope and courage. Like we have it really good in the United States, but you know, there's difficult situations that come up in life. And I learned that overseas when, when you see rice drying in the streets of Manila and you don't quite understand why that is, or kids that are um, just standing there with no shoes on and it's five degrees below zero. I've always had this heart for kids. And I think, you know, Grace came from a difficult situation. And so when she came to Denver to live with me, this um, story of hope and courage is, I just, and she just made the best of the situation. And I felt like there was a good translation there from what I'd experienced in CIA and seen around the world. And then an opportunity to bring it, who doesn't want to hear from a dog? Right. <laughs> a wow. fluffy dog at that. A fluffy dog. Okay. I, I wish Grace were here with us. Um, I remember I had this show. Uh, we had uh, Puda the cat and Puda the cat was so cool. That sounds like Grace is really cool too. So listen, I got to take a break. Um, we'll be right back. And uh, when we get back, I, um, I want to talk about um, a little more about, you know, your experience with Grace and how that has transitioned yourself and how it can tra transition others by what you've learned. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster. Learn more about Ken, how to be a guest on the show, and sponsorship opportunities by visiting voicesofcourage.us. Are you feeling stuck or in a holding pattern with your business or life, and you're not doing the things you want or love? Then at some point, you're going to be faced with a decision. You'll either choose to keep living in your comfort zone and risk a life of mediocrity, or increase your courage, step into your power, and forge into the unknown, where everything new becomes possible. If you're truly ready to live masterfully, then you need Ken D. Foster's newest book, The Courage to Change Everything, Strategies and Wisdom to Transform Your Life One Day at a Time. This powerful but simple guide provides you with 365 days of life transforming wisdom, profound questions, and action steps that will increase your strength and open the doors to success. Stop wondering why your business or life isn't working. The answers are available now. Imagine if you had more courage or another chance to start following your dreams. To pick up your copy of The Courage to Change Everything, visit thecouragetochangeeverything.com. That's thecouragetochangeeverything.com. If you, your company, or organization is out to change the world and you need a team that produces results to take your message to the next level, Wasabi Publicity is the perfect fit. Recognized by PR Week and Good Morning America for its innovative business practices, Wasabi Publicity works with companies and individuals committed to doing good in the world. Whether it's creating an engaging website, building a passionate social media tribe, or connecting their clients with top media influencers like Good Morning America, The New York Times, and Oprah, everything they do is instilled with passion, impact, and brilliance. If you're an author, speaker, or organization committed to changing the world, and you need a partner to support you with PR, your website, or social media, go to wasabipublicity.com. That's wasabipublicity.com. To schedule a call with Wasabi CEO, Drew Gerber. We're back with Voices of Courage. And now your host, Ken D. Foster. Okay, I'd like to welcome everybody back to Voices of Courage. Today our show is called The Courage to Adapt and Evolve. And it's been a very interesting show because we've had uh, some scientists on, and uh, they're talking about uh, animal behavior. And now we're talking uh, to Kathy, uh, Katie McQuaid, um, and she has uh, written a book uh, called Everybody Loves Grace. It's uh, for parents and kids of all ages, which I'm one of them. And um, I'm just really happy to have you on the show. But before we get to that, I just want to say one thing. I want to give a shout out um, to what we're doing in, uh, in launching my latest book, 
The Courage to Change Everything. You can find it on Amazon, thecouragetochange.us. Again, courage2change.us. And for those of you that are authors or soon to be authors or best selling, want to be a best selling author, um, you're invited to join myself and several of my New York Times best selling author friends and business strategists. We're teaching you our strategies, we're teaching you exactly how we write, market, and uh, uh, distribute books in the world. And uh, the reason I'm doing this, because I believe that we have to lift the world up from the bottom up. We need to get our messages of hope and truth and understanding and courage in the world. If you're one of those authors, come in at no cost to you uh, to learn from the best of the best in the world. You can learn it. Uh, you can find it at courage2change.us forward slash invite, courage2change.us forward slash invite. Okay, Katie McQuaid, let's, uh, let's talk, girl. Let's talk about... Grace. Tell me more about Grace. I want to know about Grace. Well, Grace came to me when she was four years old. She was lived on a farm up in Canada, and it was a pretty abusive home where she came from, and the owner thankfully decided to um, rehome her. So she came on a plane all by herself, and I will tell you, children always question that. Did she really come by herself? Yep, she did. Wow. And um, what I love to talk about, because we're talking about adapting and evolving, she didn't know what she was coming to. She left a farm and came to the city of Denver and uh, she arrived there and she had a big brother. I had an older dog named Tinto at the time. And um, so, she, so she came at, uh, she was four years old. And uh, when she got there, it was like she and Tinto had been uh, together their whole life. They just immediately bonded. And uh, one of the things that I love to talk about, we've talked about simple acts of kindness, but another thing that Grace has really taught me is that the journey is a really important part of any adventure. And that journey could be walking to Denver Health or to go into the Grand Canyon or wherever we travel to, but she always finds something important along the way to point out to me. That's very interesting. She always finds something very important for you to, uh, uh, to notice along the way. And how many of us do not give credence to our, our animals or even maybe to other uh, children or, or you know, others in our environment? We're so busy rushing through life that we don't tend to stop and just notice, like, like in uh, your case, what Grace is telling you. I, I, I think that's an important message. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, you say every day is an adventure. <laughs> um, how can that perspective help people uh, who are going through change or experiencing hardship? Um, a really important thing about uh, going through change and looking at it as an adventure is what can I learn from the situation? It may seem difficult or unknown. There may be uncertainty, but but there may be somebody along the way that you're meeting in that particular moment, or it's an experience that's going to really help you in life. Um, so every day is an adventure is really about um, approaching things with curiosity, also with a positive attitude, knowing that something good could come of change and, and um, just that our positive experiences can, can result from uncertainty. Well, you know, times. so uncertainty is an interesting concept because, you know, most of us um, that are successful in life have been able to uh, master going into uncertain uh, areas. And in, uh, in other words, you know, when you start a business or you start a relationship, you just don't know how that's going to go. It's just as an uncertainty when you bought, when you got Grace uh, flying in, uh, picking her up at the airport, there's uncertainty. You, you don't really know if this 
dog is going to be able to be um, trained or, or loved in a way that, uh, that she'll love back. You just don't know. But uncertainty, let's, let's talk about that. You know, so how can people best face uncertainty? Um, with uh, strength, I, you know, I think about when I got on the plane to go my, to my first overseas assignment, and I left the comfort of all my college friends, my family, and I got on a plane not knowing anybody, really. I was going to land in a destination where I didn't know a soul. And um, it was clear I wasn't going to know all the pieces, but I had this faith, and I had a, an understanding that I was going to be able, I had the courage to get through whatever was going to be presented to me. And also, I looked at it as an opportunity to learn new things, new cultures, um, new foods, uh, new temperatures, 98 degrees, uh, 365 days a year. Um, so I think one of the tools is just to have um, a confidence in oneself and the courage to know that we can control, like, we have the ability to affect the outcome just by our attitude alone and just how we approach things. So in your experience with Grace, um, what are the lessons of courage and trust that kind of Grace has taught you? Let me put it back that way. Okay, so um, there are times when we'll, she'll go up to somebody that I'm actually a little bit nervous about them, right? Mm -hmm because of the way they look or the way they're dressed. And um, she'll encourage me to go to them. And I always follow her lead um, I'm, because I've learned, learned to trust her. And invariably that person will say something to me that is imparting wisdom um, or just my, the ability to make, make them happier in a, in a brief encounter, right? So um i've learned to trust grace if she says mom we're not going down this street i don't go down that street um yeah. i don't really force her to go anywhere because yeah. i trust her wow that's really that's um, that's that's good one of the things ken that you talk a lot about is um what can't be seen or knowing what can't be seen and i actually yeah. that's kind of a mantra that i've um, embodied like i I trust knowing my knowing of what I can't see, but I know it's there. And I've actually learned that grace has a greater power in that than even I do. <laughs> so I listen to that. Isn't that interesting? Like uh, Daisy, my, my, uh, my multi-poo, um, she will be sitting in, um, in my, my room with the curtains closed. She can't see outside and she will be start to bark. And I've done this many times. I'll go out and I'll look and there's another dog walking down the street. Yeah, they have yeah they have uh, extra ESP extrasensory perception yeah. in ways that we really don't. You're you're absolutely right about. It. So they hear things, they're auditory, or they smell, or that you know they have a they have a way of experiencing something that's not even in their space. And we all do too. We just have it undeveloped. And so I I really like because what what that's called in my my world it's called intuition. And, um, you know, some people would call it a gut feeling, but intuition or gut feelings, we all have it, but most of it's undeveloped. Like grace sounds like hers is completely developed. Yep, I'm not going that way. I, I don't trust this one. I feel this one. Yeah. So I think we can learn from, uh, from grace that way. What do you think? <laughs> Absolutely. Can I tell you a quick story about grace's intuition? <laughs> you can. One, one day we, were, we went out for a walk and she went a completely different direction than we would normally go and I, I was like oh this is strange but I turned to my right and down the street were all these police cars 
they were for blocks. They were police cars and they had the whole, somebody had escaped the Denver Health, uh, one of the uh, prisoners had escaped uh, his medical exam. But Grace knew, I'm not going west, I'm going east. And I just thought, isn't that incredible? She knew Is to go it, the complete opposite direction. Well, I have a story around that. I probably told it too much to my listeners, but when I was first developing my intuition, my wife and I first got together, she'd always tell me, go left. And I'd say, no, we need to go right. And we did this maybe 20 times. And every time she's right, right? I mean, if I go right, I'm driving. She says, go, go left, I go right. We hit traffic. We hit, um, we hit uh, all kinds of construction. It just on and on it went. I was like, oh, this is weird. So I finally said, okay, I'm going to surrender to this. I'm going to pay attention and really learn from my wife, Judy, um, how, to be, how to tune in and to be more intuitive. And over the years, I've learned that. But um, yeah, what a, what a gift it is when we start to become present. We start to focus and, and learn and not discount anything that's going on in our environment. It's all there to bring us to more awareness to help us understand who we are and what's possible if we pay attention. Well, listen, I'm just about out of time, but um, I, I, got a, I got one more important question. And uh, that is, what, what about leaders and executives? Because I work with a lot of them on, the, on our show. How can uh, these lessons um, in, in the book, how can they apply to them? How can they make a difference for them? Well, I think um, how they can make a difference is you know, simple acts of kindness, even as leaders being kind, and that could be, be writing a thank you note or taking time to stop by somebody's office on your way to grab a cup of coffee. I think that ability to slow down and just take that extra moment and be present as a leader is a really important lesson, um, that it can make a huge difference in an organization. Uh, just the ability to hold space for people, not always necessarily solve the problem, but just hold space and create a safe environment and connection with your with your staff and employees. That's oh, that's wonderful. Okay, so let's tell them where they can get the book. Uh, it's everybodylovesgrace.com. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. There's actually three books. Um, there's the first one, and the second one is her adventure to uh, the Grand Canyon, and the third one's an adventure to Texas. And they're available on everybodylovesgrace.com and also on Amazon. I love that. I love that. Okay. So uh, wow. Katie, McC uh, Katie McCabe, uh, thank you so much for being here. I love this. This thank has been you, really Katie. good. And, and I wish you so much success in the book. I, I believe that this is a book that can really help people. You've already taught me. I learned today. So I'm going to be a lot more present with Daisy. I'm going to pay more attention to her intuition. And um, I bet you things open up in greater ways for myself. So I really appreciate you uh, being here and, and sharing it with us. Any final thoughts? Just want to say thank you for having me. And um, Grace would be here, but I'm not at home today. So she would ah, be right next to me as well. <laughs> that's so good. All righty. Well, I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. But, uh, you know, for all of you that have tuned into our show, I hope you will continue to let others know about the show. And remember, you know, with, with courage, you can see things that you've never seen before. You can do things which you've never done before. And uh, I hope you have a really blessed week. All righty. Take care. 
Thanks for joining us for Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster. Learn more about Ken, how to be a guest on the show, and sponsorship opportunities by visiting voicesofcourage.us. And we're always interested in what you have to say. So follow Ken on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or email your questions and comments to viewer at voicesofcourage.us. Also, you can find all of Ken's previous shows by visiting voicesofcourage.us. Be sure to join us next time as Ken brings more stories of courage that will inspire greatness within you and change your life for the better. Until next time, live courageously and see the unseeable, know the unknowable, and do the impossible. This has been Voices of Courage with Ken D. Foster.